Hello and welcome to the Youth Football Podcast, episode 11 now. I'm your host, Adam Binney, back with my main man, Robbie McDonald, in the co-hosting seat, as always, and two very special guests. We've got Anya and Jay from the YFS journalist team here to talk us through the games that they watched at the weekend as well as a whole lot more. Robbie, um, I'm not sure about yourself, but it's, it's, it's not been a great day for me. Um, I was unfortunately on reporting duties out and about and been caught in a monsoon. Um, I was outside Celtic Park earlier this afternoon, um, had to go into the reception of... Uh, the Emirates Arena to try and steal a Broly from the kind lady at the reception who <laughs> was able to give me a Broly in order to, to cover my camera because I stupidly didn't bring a camera cover. I just wanted to get that one out there. Have you had a bit of a disaster yourself as well today or are you going to make me feel terrible? Nothing quite that bad. I did get caught up in the, the storm on the way to uni, but luckily I brought an umbrella with me because I'm a bit more prepared than you are, Adam. Yeah, um. To be fair, I'm I'm surprised you remember to bring a, an umbrella. I, I didn't think that they they taught you uh, anything that advanced at Glasgow Caledonian University. So fair fair play, Robbie. Jay, you don't look too happy with that shout. What do you have against the mighty GCU, Adam? Are you rejecting? You know exactly what I've got. You know exactly what I've got against GCU. They are um a big rival on on the on the football field. Well, they they like to. They're kind of like how do I describe this? It's almost like they are the Aberdeen to Rangers, if you know what I mean. In the sense that, you know, I'm, throughout my university career, our, our big rivals were always Glasgow Uni. But this little tiny wee, tiny wee unit would always try and force a rivalry, that being uh, Glasgow Caledonian University. Um, fair enough, they did get under our skin a few times and we made it a rivalry. But any time we got on the pitch, we absolutely slapped them every time. So... That's that. That's my thoughts on the matter, and that's why I will always hold a grudge against that awful educational establishment that you both attend. It was definitely rejected, wasn't it, Robbie? <laughs> Come on! You didn't get past that even... stage. Oh, it's the cheek, the cheek of this. Saying this to a man who achieved five hires in one sitting with all unconditionals. Glasgow Caledonian would have been begging me at my feet to to have me on board, but I thought, you know. The Strathclyde University men's football team need the the best midfielder to ever come out of the, the FK postcodes. That's why I went there. To be fair, and if you're judging us on the boys in our football team, then it's probably going to rank pretty low. Let's let's let's, let's just cut cut that chat before um I do myself out of any potential opportunities with with GCU in the future. We'll dig they'll dig this up, and that'll be me absolutely finished. Right, um, the Scotland squad was announced today. Um, and you know Kieran Tierney. Big blow for, for for the country, but um, nonetheless, still looks like a strong squad. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's quite it was what I was expected. I think um, for the Scotland squad, to be honest, uh, no Kane Tierney, but I, there's still strong names in there, so I think it's looking like a good squad. Jay, still no, still no Elliot Anderson. Speak, speak to me. Yeah. I... I think that ship has sailed now, let's be honest, that in terms of Elliot Anderson, um, more surprising omission for me, and we'll talk about this later, this is no Ben Doak. I thought this would be his opportunity, you know, we're, we're, we're going to Germany, you know, playing Spain, you know, that's a write-off. We play France in an international friendly, why not just give the boy a chance? We could be here all day, don't get me started. But Robbie, um, I love Steve Clark, love everything he's done for this country, so I will never, ever, ever say anything bad about any of his selections, but part of me was hoping this would be the time that Doke would be unleashed. I love him too, but I'll happily slag off his selections when he leaves someone like that out. And Doke's, <laughs> Doke's proven himself that he can cut it at like at a senior level. He's doing he, like he's obviously a standout player for the youth Scotland teams, but he's played a good few times for Liverpool now, and I think that surely the younger that you get these players in the squad the better they're going to be in the future, the more experience they can get. There's probably a few in that squad that are almost like, not past it, but they're not going to be like, there's probably not much development and they're not likely to get too many minutes. So I think you'd be better bringing in the likes of a Doak who could just, I don't know, even just push the push the first team players more and like show them that there is someone hot on their heels for those places. 
Yeah, I, I thought this might have been the, the camp because with the Tierney injury, you know, there's a potential that we could go to a back four at, at some point, which would mean that you would probably want to play with more natural wide players if you aren't able to get the, the width of the wing back. So I thought this would be the time that, that Doak would come in to give that extra option. None of it wasn't me, but nonetheless, made the, the 21 squad, some, some big names in there as well. Um, 21 squad up a decent fight against Spain um, last time round, Jay. Hoping from a from a bit more from then against against Hungary and Malta, you would think perceived weaker opposition. This is this is their chance for these boys to go and shine. Yeah, Scott Gemma will make sure the side are up for that, regardless of the opposition. But yeah, Spain away first game is always a tough tough ask for the lads. But they'll go into this qualifying group with um, loads of optimism, and as you said, with the inclusion of Ben Dock, it's a positive for them. And there are some some very good players on that side as well. So those two games yeah. this month, a real start for them to kickstart their campaign and hopefully make all the way through to the tournament proper. Yeah, so Billy Stark's also named his 19 squad. Um, so so they're going to be playing in Spain. They'll take, take on Republic of Ireland and, and Portugal at the Pinatar Arena uh, in Portugal next week. Quite a, a common arena for these youth internationals. Um, I'm going to ask Robbie McDonald because we have to. Robbie, who's, who's your favourite player in the 19 squad? Dylan Smith there again. Carrying, carrying the boys. Carrying? Is that what you're, what you're going with now? Yeah, captain, captain in the other match. And we all, we all know that the best player is always captain. You can make someone on this podcast or have some sort of bet of how long it takes Robbie to mention his favourite <laughs> player in the whole wide world. To be fair, I always try and, I always try and get it quite early, but I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about all of you, but when I look at this Scotland 19s team, this is gonna this is maybe a really wild take, right? But as if you you take you take Doak out of the twenty ones, right? I don't think that nineteen squad's far off the twenty ones. You look at some of the some of the names of the, of yeah, the that really <laughs> excites me. Dylan Smith's in there, David Watson's in there, Wenham Miller. These guys are all playing like first team every single week in in the, in the Scottish Premiership. You've also got to add really ex- uh, exciting young prospects like Rory Wilson, Bailey Rice, Dylan Reid, Ryan Oney, uh, Alfie Babbage that's doing well at Aberdeen as well. To me, this kind of group of of under nineteens players, I believe, are your your what your your two thousand and five, two thousand and sixes, um, maybe some two thousand and sevens in there as well. That to me, as a generation of players, I don't know about you, I'll, I'll put this. But it's to all you as well. Seems like a, a particularly interesting group of people. Absolutely. Given as well, like if you look at the kind of teams these boys are playing for as well, there's like Lewis Jackson at Man United, Jack Kingdon also at the Man United, Johnny Emerson at Newcastle. Like there's players at big, big Premier League clubs who are obviously they should be getting the best kind of coaching possible. Their coaches will be paid the most money. They've got probably got the best youth facilities. So they've got the perfect kind of the perfect mode for them to develop. Definitely, and I think it bodes well just for the standard standard of football in this country as a whole. I mean, obviously we mentioned Doak, and I said that it would be a great opportunity to throw him into the first team because yes, he's had first team football, maybe not as much because obviously it's a, it's a hard ask to get into a club at Liverpool. But those names you just mentioned who are playing Premiership football, you know, at, at that age level, there's no reason why we can't be optimistic about their development going forward because it's amazing it's, and it's great playing yeah. these tournaments that age level but these guys that are playing you know week in week out top flight professional football so yes we can squabble when it comes to you know should this player get an inclusion but at the end of the day it's only positives for us yeah I'm also would like to put out there I'm number one David Watson fan like seriously big fan of David Watson at Kelly, future Kelly captain here first, absolutely. Um, one one more squad I would like to, to speak about before um, we get into the, the nitty gritty of it, the, the Scotland women's 17 squad also uh, announced that these are three really tough games. So they're out travelling to, to Spain, I believe, to take on France, Slovenia and Italy. Anya, what sort of challenge do you think that'll you know give these players, and especially at such a young age to be playing, for your country abroad, you're travelling. All of these girls might not have actually travelled, you know, um, out with family holidays and stuff before to take on three nations. And with all respect to Slovenia, maybe not as big as the other two, but, but three really top, definitely two top football nations. Yeah, it's definitely, it's going to be a challenge, but I think with the other teams we've looked at, 
this is um sorry with other squads we've looked at this is another really strong squad um I think Laura Berry, she's been on top of her game recently, uh, especially at Rangers. She's doing really well down there, so I think she'll be an exciting name to watch. Um, you've got Sophia Martin, uh, Lucy Burns. I think I think they can go into these games quite confident because I think um, some really really good players in there, and yeah, I think they have they stand every chance going out. It's obviously tougher. Um, as you said, traveling abroad, abroad, playing for your um, home country, is it'll be new for a lot of these players. But I don't think there's any reason they should go out there um, with no confidence because it looks like a very strong, a very strong squad. Yeah, big shout out to to Sophie Black as well, playing for the Scotland women's seventeens. Um, Sophie Black, formerly of Diffnock Soccer Centre, a club that. I've done a bit of work with before, so um, big shout out to her and her dad, Martin, as well, who still coaches down at Githnock, um, top player. We wish Sophie and her teammates um, all of the best. I've noticed a name in there, by the way. It's Celtic, Olivia McStay. I don't know Olivia. Um, do you think there's any relation there? I don't know if anyone can confirm this. Any relation between Olivia and the famous Paul McStay? Anyone know that? No? I'm not aware, but that would be something. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I don't know if that's maybe a, a granddaughter or something. I'm, I'm, hopefully, we'll need to try and find that out. So, um, Robbie McDonald, that's your task to go and try and verify that information as we move on. Um, but let's take a look at the, the UEFA Youth League as well. Um, in fact, no, there's another squad we need to talk about. We've talked, spoke about men's 21s, men's first team, men's 19s, girls 17s. But, but Jay, there is a, a very special... Scotland side playing this weekend. Um, I'm not sure if you could try try and work it out. One that uh, one of your good friends may be involved in. Is it you by any chance? That might be me. That might be me. G, tell us more. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> why why don't you just do it, Adam? Please come on. I feel as I'm taking us away from you. Ah oh, no, it would be t- it would be terrible for me to to talk about my own achievements. Nonetheless, right. Um, so that everyone knows, this weekend I will be making uh, my debut for the Scottish national futsal team um, in an international friendly against Northern Ireland in Dundee. So there you go. Had to get that in there. We'll, we'll move on now, now that I've, I've got my own uh, feeling of, of self-worth put across to, to the rest of everyone else. Hallelujah. Um, but no, you, you, Jay, come on, clamp it. Give us a bit. Where's the, where's the, game, where's the game being played? The disc in Dundee. Can we watch it? Pay per view? Tickets? <laughs> Sky Sports Box Office, isn't it? Main event? Nah, you can you can you can hop in the car and come and watch us live. Trust me, it'll be it'll be it'll be worth every penny of the free entry. I'll listen to you tell us about your defeat next week. But yeah, look forward to it. Can I come back on for that? Back the boys, back the boys. We'll be absolutely fine. We'll be fine. Best of luck, mate. Robbie, were you able to, to verify the information? Nothing. Couldn't find anything, mate. Nothing. Oh, well, we, we need to hope. Let's see if we can we can try and uh, sort that before before we come back next week. Maybe someone that's, that's listening can help us help us know if Olivia has any relation to, to Paul, whether that be a close or, or distant relative. Right, let's, let's talk about the Youth League as well. Youth for Youth League always comes comes around and, and coincides with the, with the Champions League. Um, quite funny that, you know, Hamilton being a League One side are, are in it this year, of course, because they won the, the Club Academy Club Academy Scotland, sorry, um, under 18s league last season. I believe that's why they're in the position. Um, unfortunately, beaten 3 0 by, uh, by Malmo. I wasn't uh, following Twitter that day, Jay, but do we know if the, the team lines were, were posted as a graphic or in paper this time? Uh, have you spoken about that before? That is honestly one of the best moments in the Scottish media sort of scene. That was unbelievable. Yeah. I haven't. It's been a while since I covered the Hamilton Ackies game. I've I've yet to you know you know mail in see if I can get any any information on any of the games. But yeah, I I believe I'd like to think so. At least the UEFA Youth League website had those covered. Yeah, absolutely. Big, uh, big shout out to everyone at Hamilton and involved in the in, in the paper team lines. So That's great, great part. I rate that from them seriously. Um, Celtic playing Lazio today. Um, trying to bounce back from that final loss to to fire on, which Robbie, I believe you you followed that one closely. Yeah, playing today we had a a few volunteers out of that game. There was pretty extensive coverage on the YFS Twitter. So if anyone wants to 
go and have a look back on what the boys did. But it was a it was a really good encounter actually. It was a very tight game, especially like given that Celtic had lost three 0 a week ago. I think probably many many were kind of feeling that they might this game might kind of go in a similar fashion. But they did concede in the fortieth minute to Sana Fernandez, who's a really really exciting player. He's a seventeen year old left winger from Guinea Bissau. But he's Portuguese, so there's there's a chance that he could play for the Portuguese national team in the future. So he opened the scoring from them, but in the last minute, their captain Mackenzie Cars smashed a penalty into the top right corner to equalise and snatch a point at home. Yeah, sounds sounds like it was a a, a good game, absolutely. Um, in fact, let's let's cut Robbie off. Stop him talking rubbish in here from the man who properly knows about this game. Um, the Celtic B team slash under whatever you know the down or D here we go pretty much the whole game very very good uh, barring maybe five minutes just after we conceded the goal we lost our, our composure a little bit which is normal um, but the boys were absolutely excellent uh, throughout the game, controlled the game for large spells. <clears throat> when we didn't have the ball, felt very, very comfortable. Um, and yeah, absolutely deserved something out of the game. Uh, if, I'm sure if we hadn't got one point, it would have been a travesty. But we're, we're in there thinking on another day, we, we should be coming away with three points. Uh, but listen, we're playing against a really good side. They punished us for the very few mistakes we made. Uh, so no credit to the players to keep going to the end. And, as you said, get get what they deserve. Yeah, great to hear from Dad. And I was just trying to to verify his official title. You know, I didn't want to get it wrong because you know it's that that strange thing where they're kind of in between the B team because it's not really the B team that plays, but I think his official title is B team coach, although he does take the team for um, the youth league matches, which I believe is under eighteen, to the best of my knowledge. Perhaps younger, not too sure. Um, regardless. Uh, we have already spoken extensively about football within the professional game and on the way to its professional game and the youth section of that. But I know you were um, out of bread and butter, the, the grassroots at the weekend, mostly Girls Academy, also Muscle Wins, or under 18s Youth Challenge Cup quarter finals, getting to the, the business end of, of the Scottish Cup. Um, Anya, tell us how it go. Um, it was a very good game, actually. Um... And leaving that game, all I could really think about was how much of a team effort that was um, from both sides. Really, I think it was it was very it was very much on Rossville's uh, Rossville's side in the first half, and Musselburgh obviously managed to bring it back in the second half. And I just I've never seen teams play like so so much as a team. Um, there was great individual performances as well, but yeah, just working as teams to try and get the win, and Musselburgh came out on top in the end. Um, but again, as I said, so many and like amazing individual performances there. Um, I could sit and talk about every single player on that pitch and how they contributed uh, to the game, but I have to say, on the whole. As teams, it was great performances. Um, and Musselbra to come out in the second half and put in all the fighting power that they did to get that victory, it was just, it was some very, very good football. I was really, really impressed with it. Yeah, congratulations to Musselbra Windsor for, for winning that game. And Anya, I believe you, you spoke to, to Mia, Kaya, and Sam after the game. So let's hear from them. Congratulations on the win today, guys. What do you think of your team's performance today? I think, looking back on the first half, we've definitely played better. In the first half, Rossville were 100% the better side. And the result that it was at halftime, they deserved. And when we came in at halftime, we had that halftime team talk, and spoke to the players, and when we went out, we went out. The Scottish Cup was ours. We're holding it right now. We don't want to lose that, so that's how you motivate the players. It was a case of, you know why you're here. You deserve to be here. You know what the journey is throughout the cup and where it can take us so it's a case of that's how you motivate the players second half we went out we actually played football and I thought for the majority of the second half we were the better side shown by the result and I think we deserved it that's two big wins away from home now um, how proud are you are your players for that I couldn't be prouder being the girls coach it is I live in breathe Windsor 
and being the, the girls coach makes me proud every day. They come here, they show me that late nights at training, early mornings for games is all worth it. I honestly couldn't be prouder of them. The way of recruiting players over summer, but they come in, they don't look out of place, they gel the team straight away. It's fantastic to see, not only are our players a team, but there's a sisterhood there. And I love that. They all fight for each other, they fight for their coaches, and they make me so proud every single day. And you'll be looking forward to the semi-finals now. What will your preparations look like going into that? Of course. For us with the semi-final, it's a case of taking what we learnt from this game. In the first half, we learnt a lot about our team. In the second half, we potentially learnt more, though, because we had to We had to show character. We had to come back from, from a losing result. Um, so it's taking the positives from that, showing that we can show character. No matter the result, the heads didn't go down, and we just keep pushing forward with that for the semi-final. Thank you very much. Mia, you are YFS Player of the Match today. What do you think of your performance? Um, I think I played really well. I created loads of chances in the second half. Um, I feel like the team together played well in the second half, better than the first half. And are you looking forward to the semi-finals? Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, girls. Great. Robbie, uh, a huge result for, for, for Muscle Bros. They now advance to the, to the semi-finals of the, the SWFA Youth Challenge Cup. We've spoken about um, all of our own personal shortcomings in, in the Scottish Cup, but you must be pleased for um, for, for the for the girls at Mossborough that will you know have the chance to be one game away from from the big final. Oh, absolutely! You can tell you could tell by them in the interview how delighted they were to make like overcome that hurdle. Played very well. It was a tough tough game that they had in the quarters, so I can imagine they might get a, even tougher in the semi final. But you know. Anything can happen in the cup, and one game away for a place in the final must be really, really exciting for these girls. Yeah, Jay, it's a it's a tough one to take for for Rossville coming this far, um. But I don't think that'll be the last year of that side. There's there's a, a growing girls' academy now at, at Rossville across you know pretty much every age group now. It seems like a club that's absolutely on on the way up. I know a lot of the people that are involved in and helping running that. I feel like um. In the next few years, you'll you'll definitely see, you know, Rossville Girls Academy with plenty of trophies and, and perhaps dominate, you know, girls football outside of the you know the established professional clubs in the west of Scotland. Oh, absolutely! I've I've covered Rossville um, girls at, at different age levels and in cup finals where they've won. So even defeat for this group of girls in this competition will only be a learning curve for them, and they can go on to hopefully for themselves going to better things. They are a very good setup, Rossville. Um, and coaches, the families, the friends that come support them. So yeah, success won't be far in the corner for them, I'm sure. Anya, I think this this is the first time we've we've had you on the podcast to to speak about um your game at the weekend. Now it is pretty much an initiation that something has to go wrong on your on your first day. Did did, did anything out of the ordinary trip you up at any any point? Jay, a few weeks ago, was uh, nearly taken out by a dog walker. Anything similar happened to yourself? Uh, thankfully not, no. I was actually thinking one of these days I'm going to turn up to the wrong venue or something. Um, it's bound to happen, but thankfully nothing. It all went smoothly. Um, it helped a lot. It was obviously only my, only my second game that uh, I reported on, and it was the same referee as my first game. And uh, she was lovely. That was Karen. So she makes it a lot easier. Um, she's she helps. She comes over to me and gives me the the squad lists and stuff uh, before kickoff. And she's always up for a photo uh, pre kickoff as well. So she makes it a lot easier for me. Um, so something's bound to go wrong the next time I don't have her as the referee at the game. But we can cross <laughs> that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, big up Karen. Shout, shout out to Karen. What an absolute hero. <laughs> Um, helping out our, our young reporters across the country. Robbie, you, you must have a, a story about a blunder or two you can tell us. You've had that many. What's the first one that comes to your mind? Uh, Give us an, an exclusive, something you've not told us before, because I'm pretty sure we, we document this on a weekly basis. There's been We've had so many times where you've embarrassed me on this podcast before <laughs> with all my little mishaps. I remember one time being at, it's not football, but it was before YFS, we were at a netball tournament down in Loughborough. And during, I was like, my responsibility for the week was basically to produce the live streams. So I was like, just, you know, controlling like the graphics and like making sure everything was working and all. And just mid 
mid like game middle of the game I stood up and stood on the wire that was connected to the camera <laughs> and pulled it right out I didn't it didn't go down too well I had to, a mad rush to get everything working again but if you were one of the Jess to buy family members I'm sorry you never got to see your girls for about 20 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is the most Robbie McDonald mistake ever just stepping on something and ruining it but um, Jay, in, in terms of comedic value, I don't think we're going to top your story from from a few weeks ago. It looks, looks as though you're still the king. Yeah, that bloody dog walker in Hamilton. Yeah, I'm, I'm still still searching for him. I just don't know why anyone didn't catch you last time. I'm filming a piece of the camera into the game. Lovely day, we still had the sunshine then. And I know people are out and about and you know enjoying the fresh air, them and their pets. But the guy just threw his dog's ball right in front of my shot and made me redo it. And I was almost the one take wonder. And sadly, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, that recording was uh, save the recording, but yeah, I mean, I, I was, Anya, honestly, just, just, just keep your cards close to your chest. The first few games might go flawless. All of mine went pretty smoothly. And then I've had things like that. I've had floodlights go off at night games. I'm recording piece of camera. Um, that happened once. Yeah, it was a freezing cold February night, and I was just left in total darkness. So yeah, these these things happen. But yeah, and big out, big shout out to referees. Obviously, in the wider football world, they get a lot. They're getting a lot stuck right now. But referees are actually a, a big part of our, our coverage, and they do help. Obviously, they accommodate the pre-match um, photos of the captains if we're running late and we don't get the team sheets in time. They're more than happy to help out. And just for the players themselves, they're always very accommodating to the players. If there's anyone's um, got any issues on the pitch, they're always making sure safety comes first, especially when it comes to the cup final time. And you know. The warm weather gets in the way and all the challenges that can provide. They're very, very good at what they do and they don't get enough credit. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with that. Glad you brought that up because for those reporters at these games, there is probably no one more important than, than the referee. For player identification, first of all, you know, for, for getting the, the team lines. Um, but if you're someone like Daniel Guilfoyle, absolute hero, one of our, our journalists, when he, when he does matches at tournaments... He doesn't watch the game. <laughs> he doesn't like watching the game, so he just, <laughs> he just sits there at the side and when he has to pick a man in the match at the end of the game, just asks the ref who's man in the match <laughs> gets a picture. <laughs> that is the best Daniel It's a good way to do it. Yeah. Have you had that story about him interviewing a player at halftime? I think. Oh, yeah, I was there. I was playing in the game. <laughs> I was playing, playing, in, playing in the game and uh, the boy... Um, Kai Bowman was the player's name. It was terrorising the first half. We come out for the second half and like, where's where's, where's Kai Bowman, the best player? Has he been has he been hooked? <laughs> See him coming out of the tunnel with Daniel like five minutes after the second half started. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Oh, that's like an inside job. You sure? I think someone put him onto that. Yeah, no, nah, well, perhaps perhaps someone did. It wasn't me. I would admit it. If I did, that would be a master stroke. <laughs> But no, we will not go into too much detail about that. We've already told that amazing story. We've already Daniel to tell that on the, on the podcast already. Um, but Robbie, there's been a, a restructure, a reformatting of the, the West of Scotland Football Development League. For those that don't know, that's the, the under-20s league, um, which was previously part of the Lowlands Development League last year. Um, now just focusing on the West of Scotland teams. East of Scotland do have, I believe, their own one as well. Um but it's it's all kind of changed to the under twenties guys that play on a Friday night are of course the reserve team of many of the what we used to know as junior teams, semi professional outfits playing in the pyramids. Robbie, can you talk us through this this reformatting, please? Yeah, it's basically just what you said there that it used to be there used to be seven conferences which all kind of fell under the Scotland the Scottish Lowlands Development League, but now they've been like kind of segregated into East West. So the the previous known conferences E F and G have now merged into conferences A B C and D under the West of Scotland Football Development League setup. So each of these leagues have about between twelve and fourteen clubs in them, and then at the end of the season, the four conference win- winners will compete with each other to determine the West of Scotland Football Development League champion. Matthew Muir, one of our reporters, actually did a really good kind of preview on this restructure for the YFS website. So if you want to go and check that out, then you'll learn a wee bit more information about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matthew is much better at explaining all the intricacies um, than the incompetent fool 
by my side just now has just attempted to do so. I tried well, my best. Thank you, Rob. Um, if anyone actually, <laughs> no, it's all good. Done it. Done a grand job, mate. <laughs> um, but absolutely, Matthews has is, is, is dug well deep into this. So, so head over to the YFS website to hear more um, from our reporter Matthew Muir. Um, one of my podcast heroes, Robbie, is is Daniel Chips McLeod. Um, oh, he was out at a game at, at the weekend. I thought I thought Chips put in an excellent performance for us last week, talking about his Norwegian football. We'll call it that. Basically, or, or yeah, it's, it's it's all the all the same to me. Um, regardless, Chibs was was out of the game himself at the weekend. Um, he was watching Easter House Football Academy against Ashfield, um, and Conference B, big five one victory for for Easter House. You know, I think the East Easter House put aside. You know, when I was uh kind of playing, didn't hear much about them, but in the last maybe three, four, five years, um. I, I, I feel like that's a name that keeps cropping up. I watched um, my little brother play against him a few times not not too long ago. His, his age group, 2003 age group, really, really strong side, walked the league that year. I don't know the too much about the history of the club, but it seems like they're absolutely um, smashing it at the minute. Uh, Matthew has already picked Easter House as his one to watch in Conference B um, for the season. They... Uh, in fact, now that I think about it, I reckon that must be the same team as I used to watch. So if that's under twenties, no, it can't be. They'll be too old. I'm talking rubbish. Doesn't matter. Ignore me. It'll be two that two thousand and fours and younger. Two the old threes will be too too old. I'm talking absolute rubbish. Ignore me. Um, but they've got a top of the table clash next week against my good friends at, at Giffnock Soccer Centre. So best of luck to to Easter House, but not too much luck because of course one want my boys Giffnock to do well. Um, but let's hear from Stuart Pratt from Easter House Football Academy after that brilliant 5 on 1. It was a great game, man. Oh, can I swear, can I? <laughs> Carry on. End to end, so it was a great game. And that's three wins for, from three for use. How does uh, that impact the rest of the season? Uh, it's a good start to the season. Good good to get a good start. Obviously. Do you think you have a real chance at the title this year? Uh, we've got a great team. We've just started. And can't get like a flank in there or any other games. What was your personal highlight from the game? No, when I scored. Brilliant, no score Brilliant goal. <laughs> Would you like to single out any of your teammates for praise? Yeah, nah, I'm the best there. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers. Great. Um, let's let's continue with the theme of the under twenties development league. I, something I, I I'm really glad to see is involved now. Um, I think a lot of boys who are. 16, 17, 18, 19, even those that are, that are 20. A lot more guys seem to be playing football now because of this this development league. It feels like it's bridged that gap that I think there was a lot of teams dwindling for, for uh, were dwindling because of a lack of numbers, those latter age groups when you're leaving school, early years of university and stuff. But I feel like this under-20s development league, it offers a clear pathway for, for kids to bridge the gap into semi-professional football and I don't, I don't know about, about you, you can you can all give your opinions on this, but it feels like more people around about that age are continuing to play after after the league scale. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's been a welcome um, change. As you said, that absolute age, that when people get to, that's sort of probably when a lot of people drop out of football, maybe lose passion or just due to circumstances, they just can't continue. So yeah, it really keeps their enthusiasm, gets them access to the best facilities and playing best games. So, yeah, it's, it's, again, welcome news for our game. Absolutely. Um, one of our good friends and reporters, Aidan Chowdhury, um, was out at a game this weekend. Now, I think Aidan himself is a current under-20s player, is he not? Is he not? Is he not? Is he still at Broomhill? Broomhill 20s? Unless, unless he's I'm moved. Not sure. I'm not sure he's still at Broomhill, but he's definitely playing. I tried to get him on this podcast tonight and he patched me for his training session. Oh, that's terrible. And you don't even know who he plays for. But I, I, I can't... I don't know if he's still at Broomhill. He was obviously this one of the stars of the show of that Open Goal documentary. <laughs> last year. He had quite a, quite a long cameo in that one. I was getting tired of his, of his accent. <laughs> No, it's good. good. Um, we, we need to get Aaron on so he can talk a little bit about um, his time at Broomhill, obviously, under the, the Open Goal Broomhill banner and, uh, and, and all of that. I, oh, it's, it's terrible. I can't remember who he's playing for. I'm definitely playing for one of the teams in the West of Scotland League um, 
under twenties level. I believe he's also played for the for his first team this season already. So top top player who will be a welcome addition to to next season's YFS West team for the YFS Cup. Um, but Robbie Aaron was out at uh, Mary Hill against uh, Vale of Leven. I think you can tell us a little bit about that game. Yeah, that was in the the same league, the West of Scotland Development League. This was, however, in Conference C. Mary Hill had a late comeback. They came back from behind to draw 2-2. A really, really good game there. It was a goalless first half, but both sides had good chances. Keenan Fisher had a a good amount of opportunities for his team, the striker for Vale of Leaving, but couldn't get the ball into the back of the net until the 50th minute. Vale of Leaving earned a free kick on the edge of the penalty area on the left side. The ball was floated across by Elliot Gamble and Keenan Fisher rose above the goalkeeper, Craig Fife, who came out, missed the ball, which is obviously always a nightmare for a goalkeeper. But he came out, missed it, and left Keenan Fisher with just the whole goal to head into. He then added a second in the 65th minute, which was an unbelievable chip over the keeper, about 20 yards out, just dinged it over him into the back of the net and gave his side a two-goal lead. It looked at that point that they would probably, you know, get the win, but Maryhill reacted brilliantly, and they didn't give up. Ryan Gibb, in the 70th minute, gave his team a foot back in the game with a lovely outside-of-the-boot finish from an acute angle. And then there was a bit of a feisty end to the game at 2-1. Both teams were flying in strong tackles. Dominic Burns was sent off. But, you know, that when a, when a red card happens, that can be just what a team needs to get themselves a bit more confidence, get them going through. And Mary Hill broke through the lines again. One of their players had a shot at goal and it was parried straight back to Gibbs who just passed the ball into the open net and pulled his team back level. Gibbs then himself was sent off for dissent, but it, the game ended 10 men on each side, 2-2, a proper, proper youth league game. I've just found who Aaron plays for. Forgive me, he's no longer a 20s baller. He plays for the first team at Coalsyth Rangers. That's what it was. I remember that he's, he's at, he's at Coalsyth Rangers. So um, just just went and fact-checked that there. But yeah, Aaron, he knows he knows his stuff. Because I was wondering how he was available to the Friday night game because I, I just assumed he would have been playing. But no, he's moved up in the world. He's, he's a big boy now. He's he's playing he's playing first team for, for Coalsyth Rangers. Top, top player. Um, hopefully we can get Aaron on next week or, may, or maybe another point to, to talk about. Um, all that there's, we'll keep it going. There's been loads of under twenties games. These Friday nights seem to be a, a, a favourite of us. Um, Sam Woods went to watch Camas Lang Rangers against Lanark United in, in Conference A. Camas uh, Lang Rangers won the game four two. I know this never seems to happen to me. I had to go all the way to Dingwall to watch one nil at, at the weekend, Robbie. That's you're, you're neck of the woods. In fact, I need to tell, I need to say that right. So I've, I've gone to the game thinking, do you know what? I'll get the train up because then I can just. You know, sleep on the train. Had a bit of a late night the night before. I won't go into too much detail, but I was needing to catch up on some sleep. Get on the train. There's two carriages on the train. Yeah. Two carriages. I had to stand <laughs> on a train. So, no, I'd, I had to stand thinking the train was going from Queen Street to Inverness. Um, but when it got to Perth, they changed the carriages. So then they added the extra carriage and I got a seat from from Perth to Inverness, but I was I was panicking. I was thinking, oh no, I can't I can't stand for like three and a half hours or whatever, whatever it takes to get to get all that up there. It was terrible. Right, I'm, I'm away on a tangent. Now. We were talking about um, Sam getting a six goal thriller. I was just jealous because the game I was watching was absolutely mince for the first forty five. Hearts were alright in the second, um, but uh, it was a fantastic game between two sides from what I hear um, not a bit of a feisty one I think as I can see Robbie smirking in, in the corner loving loving that um, I think you, you're allowed to, you're allowed to enjoy it a little bit when it gets when it gets to this age this, these aren't kids anymore um, but let's hear from Sam Woods this was him um, summing up to the match between Campus Lang Rangers and Lanark United Still time here in this West of Scotland Conference A clash between Lanark United and Canvas Lang Rangers. It finished 4-2 Canvas Lang Rangers in a very thrilling game. Both teams had lots of possession and great build-up play, but it was Canvas Lang who came out in top 4-2 winners as they received two penalties and scored some cracking goals. Lanark were unlucky as they took the lead early on, but it was Canvas Lang who came out early. Yeah, very well done to Sam Woods. Great to hear from him. Um, let's also hear from the Canvas Lang Rangers coach, Ryan. 
Yeah, it was a strange game. I said the first half we were very, very poor. You know, didn't keep the ball, didn't do you know anything that I asked the boys to do. But second half, you know, we made a tactical change and you know we got the goal straight away after half time and yeah, then we kicked on. So yeah, no, I delighted with the second half, but first half was just wasn't good enough in terms of our standards. But yeah, no, delighted with delighted with the result and delighted with the second half performance. What was your half time team thought like as you were able to come out in the second half right out of the traps? Just being a bit more composed in the ball. You know, we, we we didn't keep the ball well. We didn't do anything that, that we said at the start of the game in terms of our tactical shape. But on the second half, you know, we tidied ourselves up, made a wee tactical change, went to a 4-2-3-1, you know, got, you know, somebody in that in that 10 position, which then allowed us to get on the ball and then going through the runs that showed us with the second half where we got the goal within the first 30 seconds. Right, one final game to discuss before um, we get into our final topic. Jay, um, you took in Holytown Colts versus Glasgow Girls, um, another quarter-final. It's time for the under-14s um, Scottish Women's Football Challenge Cup. Uh, you were there with Alex as well, and doing a bit of mentoring. Jay, can you can you tell us about your, your day? Yeah, it was very good. Um, Alex was a fantastic volunteer. Um, he's had a bit of experience in that line of work before, and he's going to be a great addition to the team. And what a game he had for his debut. So this was the Saturday just gone at the Keir Harbour Sports Centre in Hollytown. Bear that name in mind because we'll come to that a bit more later. So as you said, quarter final and this was a proper cup tie, which went all the way down to the wire. It finished 2-2 after extra time between Hollytown Colts and Glasgow Girls under 14s, with the hosts Hollytown winning 3-1 on penalties. Hollytown took the lead twice and twice they were pegged back. First, Ellie Kidd scored the opener. She was set up by player of the match, Olivia Wilson. It was a fantastic outside of the pass. Freddie through calls for offside from the visiting fans, but it was borderline for me. Um, no complaints there. And Ellie Kidd started. You're loving the refs today, Jim. Honestly, listen, the referees are my friends. I would be a referee if it wasn't for my poor eyesight. I get enough abuse. <laughs> I get enough abuse as it is. Can't <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the important stuff. So, Ellie Kidd sets up the first goal, assisted by player of the match, Olivia Wilson. Great goal. That was in the 22nd minute. Four minutes after the break, Freya Grave from Glasgow Girls, striker, grabbed her first goal of her brace to equalise. It was great determination, great play on the left-hand side. The ball broke to her, and she fired a first-time left-footed shot into the bottom corner to equalise. Glasgow girls are probably the better team. Um, I don't think Hollytown would uh, have any gripes with that. But amazingly, they uh, the hosts retook the lead. It was a deflected corner with 10 minutes to go after Olivia Wilson again fired a great free kick towards goal. The Glasgow City girl goalkeeper Chloe Rondell did well to tip it over. But from that corner, it was deflected into the back of the net. Freya Gray equalised again for her second goal soon after when she was set up by her strike partner Carly Mackay on the right who showed great pace to get the ball to the byline and find her strike partner in the middle of the box and there was no doubt she was going to finish and so it went to extra time now at this level of course it's 70 minute matches with 20 minutes extra time but as extra time often goes it was a very cagey affair where both teams cancelled each other out and there was very few opportunities and so the lottery of penalty kicks, and it was Hollytown who came out on top in that one. They converted all their uh, spot kicks, and Freya Fisher, the Hollytown goalkeeper, she at least saved one. I think we might need some VAR on the deciding penalty. I believe, and I put it down, she got a touch on it. It did hit the bar. I think she may have just got fingertips on it, so I'm more than happy to give her the credit for that. Both teams, this was a great sight, both teams were applauded off the pitch because they put in a fantastic spectacle for all those there. There was great support from both teams. They had banners and, you know, there's like really old-fashioned uh, things you twirl at football matches. They have them up at Time Castle at the little... Oh, yeah. But they're very old-fashioned in the Scottish game. Some stadiums even ban them for some reason because the racket they make, but... Um, yeah, they're a feature at Tynecastle, I believe. Uh, one of the Hollytown supporters had that, which I thought was a nice throwback. But anyway, both teams were applauded off for their efforts in that game. You know, going to penalties, if you've ever been there or even supported the team, you know the heartbreak and the euphoria that comes in only, there can only be one winner. So, fantastic cup tie, great spectacle. Our reporter, Alex Bryce, was there with myself, did really well. And it was an absolute pleasure to speak to player of the match, Olivia Wilson. And I think I've got a clip for you from that game. I spoke to her. She was full of confidence going into the last floor. 
and yeah, it was a, it was a very very good interview. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's absolutely great, and um, something that I touched on last week when we were speaking about um, women's and girls football more generally is the amount of teams that are now playing. So out outside, you know, your club academy Scotland, your kind of professional academy set up at under fourteens level. Um, Within Scottish women's football, there are now sixteen leagues in the country. You've got two, two centrally. Um, you've got uh in the east. I think you've got three. No, sorry, three, three centrally, three, three in the east, three in the north, um, three southeast, two southwest, two west. I think I think that's the breakdown of it. Six, sixteen leagues. They're all named after uh, members of the uh the Scottish women's national team as well. But, when you kind of think back to, I was going to refer this back to, to even 10 years ago, where you would maybe have one or two leagues, if that, at under-14s level. It just seems to be increasing in popularity, and it's, it's great that we can have, you know, national competitions with the with the under-14s. Now, of course, these leagues, the number of leagues, sorry, uh, becomes not as large at 16th level and 18th level, but I think that will will soon change because I believe this generation, you know, that there are more of the kids playing and, and more of them want to get more involved. So really, really encouraging to to see that, you know, the participation levels are still still doing really, really well, which I, I kind of feared for post-COVID. So just wanted to make sure I get that obligatory shout out to, to you know, the game as a whole. Great to see it continue to to thrive and well done both to, to Muscle Grant and to Holy Town Coke. So, of their spot in the semi-final of, of the Scottish Cup. Um, we can also hear from Jodine at Holytown Colts to, to, to finish off our discussion surrounding their fantastic achievement at the weekend. I think we were up against some really strong opposition in Glasgow girls. It was really tough for the girls today. Um, but they dug deep uh, and they, they played really good football in the end, but it was tough for them. Going into half-time with a 1-0 lead, what did you say to the girls to keep, kind of keep their heads straight? Uh, we just kind of says them that the Glasgow girls were going to come out all fighting and kind of dancing in the second half and they really had to kind of dig in deep and fight for every single ball. Um, what was the kind of attitude towards penalties towards the end? Were the girls kind of feared about it or were they all confident going up to it? Uh, I think they were quite confident, to be honest. We've had a few experiences in penalties. we playing with festivals and we've had some experience. Uh, so something that we do practice at training because we knew it was a chance it was going to come up. A goal from a set piece to get your second from the corner, is that something you practice in training? Yeah, 100% we practice corners like almost every week in training. So, and they're really, the girls are really good at the corners. So, um, so through the semi-finals now, um, how important is it to kind of make sure the girls are level-headed uh, going into that game? Uh, to, to be honest, I think it's very important because the girls have been so successful in the last the last year. Um, they've been undefeated in the, the league and all the cups since September last year. So they're kind of flying high. So it's just try to keep their feet on the ground and keep them, as you said, level-headed. So football aside, um, as you're probably aware, on Thursday, North Lanarkshire Council announced the closures of some of the biggest leisure centres in North Lanarkshire, including like Summit Busby, Buckinghamshire Sports Barn, and the place we're standing at the moment, Keir Hardy Sports Ground. What's your thoughts on an announcement like this? Everyone kind of, everyone kind of part of the club is absolutely devastated to the announcement. Uh, as far as we know, they're keeping the football pitches open, but there's been no correspondence, no communication by North Lancashire Council. So everyone's really gutted by the news. Um, I think North Lancashire Council, I mean, one minute they're preaching about suicide awareness, the next minute they're shutting down everything good about mental health. Yeah, just, it's not good enough for the kids. On the topic of mental health, taking football out of the equation just for a minute there, how important do you actually think these sports and leisure centres are for the girls and even the boys who play football, even not at football, the golf, the swimming, everything like that? How important do you think that is for the mental health aspect? Oh, it's top priority at the end of the day, the sports and leisure, isn't it? I mean, uh, so many kids, like, that's all they've got in their life is the, the sports and North Lancashire Council's just taking that away from the kids. Um, I mean, even the swimming, for example, they've got two swimming baths in the field of North Lancashire, so if these kids can't travel, they can't swim. and uh, It's just it's not good enough. Now, Jay, um, let's go away from the positive news because there's something really important that Jodine mentioned at the at the end of her interview there. She was talking about the potential closure of facilities and community centres across North Lanarkshire Council, including Keir Hardy Sports Centre. Um, talk to me. What's what's going on there and what has happened since? 
So if you paid attention to the news at large recently, you may have noticed that North Lanarkshire Council had announced a controversial and hugely unpopular decision to shut down 39 leisure and community facilities, including swimming pools, libraries and golf courses in the North Lanarkshire area. Now, this also affected football facilities. So Keir Hardy was, of course, one of them, and that's where myself and Alex attended this match. That's where Hollytown Colts girls played their match. This decision would have affected grassroots teams in North Lanarkshire, like Hollytown Colts, but they're, they're not alone. There's lots of sports clubs in general, swimming clubs, um, gymnastics clubs, all would have been affected by this. Thankfully, that, division, that decision has now been U-turned, but at the time, it was... You, you could feel it was it was a topic everyone was was interested in at that point, and it was on everyone's mind. The club themselves, Hollytown Colts, were very passionate about this issue and wanted to stand up to it and were keen to speak to YFS at the game, regardless of what um, the score was. Jodine herself, the coach, was very passionate, and also Chief Executive Gary spoke to reporter Alex after the game about the importance of facilities like these for football teams. Now, these decisions to close sporting facilities with football pitches was caveated with, oh, we'll, we'll keep the pitches. But the thing people don't realise is the facilities themselves are just as important as the pitch because especially at that age level, um, for boys and girls, they need a change of facilities. They need bathrooms. It's so important for their physical and mental health to have the full experience when playing football. And that's something they were very keen to talk about. Now, again, thankfully, this decision has been reversed. But regardless of the score, they obviously were very happy to get the win, which, you know, maybe softened the blow a little. And that was always going to be second priority for Hollytown Colts. But that announcement that the council have U-turned on this decision and the facilities will remain open makes this a great week for the club. Now, when you go to these games, you really see the importance of these grassroots football teams to the local community. Now, when speaking to Alex, the chief executive, Gary, of Hollytown Colts, mentioned how that, not necessarily on the football pitch, um, and the wider community, they can help by hosting Friday night programmes on the Keir Hardley pitch, where they try and get young people off the streets and try living a better and healthier lifestyle. So it really was, and I'm speaking personally as a resident of North Lanarkshire, it was quite a somber sort of couple of days for um, for our community, and especially as someone who grew up with family and friends um, playing for sports teams, obviously covering them with, YF, with YFS. You know, you really felt for the future of, of the game in, in this area, but thankfully... The facilities are staying open. They're always probably going to use the pitches, but also means now that it's been U-turned that they'll have them for free and they'll have the full access to toilet facilities, changing facilities, and it will just come as a huge piece of news for these teams who often, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling sometimes. You know, it's, it's all voluntary. People put a lot of work into this and they would have been devastated. They were devastated by this news, but they'll be absolutely over the moon that they can continue to help these kids um, boost their physical and mental health by playing football and just giving them the best experience they can. Yeah, Jay, it was just just a week ago myself and Robbie spoke um, to, to Edelwood, um, Boys Club Edelwood, were trying to, to put together a, a kind of proposal for an asset transfer um, for, their, for their pitches and facility so that the club could take could take control of them. Um, that was before the news that, that everywhere was go, was going to be closing. I, I remember seeing that last week and being, being horrified through the list of all the potential community centres and um, you know football grounds that, that were going to be closing. And oh, God had played played and or used those facilities. Not even from not actually pretty much had heard of all of them or been at all of them. Um, so mortifying to think that that was that was never going to be taken away. But on that kind of issue of of asset transfer, is that is that maybe something that North Lancashire Council could look at where they could, you know, if, if they can't afford to run these facilities, try and sell them off to to clubs who can, you know, if, if, if they're big volunteer-led clubs at the heart of the community, like you see all over Scotland that can, you know, rally together and, and use their own funds to, to push it and maintain it. Because from, from a personal uh, point of view, I, I think that's absolutely the way forward if, if, if the council can't continue to keep these facilities 
or can't afford to continue to run them. I think that's the best decision. The absolute, absolutely the most logical decision is you know let's let's work with the the the, the communities and the clubs who are um, you know custodians of of these venues and give it to them. Let them run it. Let, let them own it. Let them run it. And if you put people in charge of these facilities who actually care about it, you best believe they'll never waste it. Oh, I, I don't doubt for a fact they would waste it. But what the most important thing is, is just that the right outcome, the best outcome is made for as many people as possible. Yes, asset transfer, if that's available to clubs, to have that dialogue with local authorities, great if that works. But it's the council's, it's their responsibility to put this on for the kids and make sure they have all those facilities available. North Lancashire Council for years have spoken about their active leisure campaign and how they want the community to thrive both mentally and physically. Now, you obviously don't want to get too much into the political side, but I mean, I think anyone, regardless of their, their beliefs, was, was appalled by this decision and really feared for, especially the younger people in our communities. Thankfully, that's been reversed, but it's something that will prop up again. You know, obviously some of these facilities do need do need upgrades and they do need better maintenance. Whether I'm sure the clubs would love to have more involvement in that, but regardless, it's up to the councils to pay back to their community because I know for a fact these communities pay a lot in, into the development and the preservation of the health and well-being of those who live there. Yeah, Anya, you made a good point there. This is going to come up again. If it doesn't come up in North Lanarkshire, it's going to come up in another council because that's the way it's going. And it seems like if, although a U-turn's been made, it seems inevitable that we're going to face this issue again somewhere in Scotland. How much of a worry is it that it feels like sport, sports facilities, local council and community facilities, it seems like it's an increasing trend that they're, they're being underfunded. What's, what sort of damage can that do to, to, to communities all over Scotland? I think it's a huge a huge thing for communities to be able to get access to these sorts of leisure centres. And I think um, when you've got councils or governments who are trying to promote healthy lifestyles and better mental health and stuff like that, and then they come forward with stuff like shutting down leisure centres. I know a lot of um, where I'm from anyway, I'm Eastern Bartonshire, they lock the um, football pitches up uh, quite often so nobody has access to them. So it's a bit it's a bit backhanded, I think, um, trying to promote, promote people to get out more, trying to promote kids to take part in sports more often, but then they're not giving anybody the opportunity. So I think it can be very damaging. It's, it's a question of where are people going to go? Um, how are they going to get out of the house, how are they going to play the sports that they enjoy playing? It's um and there's no there's no easy answer. I don't think it's there's no straightforward. Obviously councils are taking these steps to try and uh, save money, find money elsewhere, but it's not I don't think it's a long term solution at all. Yeah, it doesn't seem uh sustainable. Um that this just now if you look at the the statement from, from Jim Logue of the uh, of the Scottish Labour Party won't, won't go into um in, in too much detail. We want to avoid um talking about party politics here, um. But but Jim Logue has said that uh Labour in North Lanarkshire will protect these facilities for the duration um of their council term, but they remain in a dire financial situation. Dire Jim's words here, um after more than a decade of cuts to the budget, um. It's a, it's a wider political issue that the, you know, the, the central government are probably underfunding local, local councils, so we won't get into that. But, you know, as funding continues to be cut and underfunded, all these councils are underfunded for years and years and years, it takes its toll. I do seriously, seriously worry that if something doesn't change, that we could be without our, our council facilities um, when uh, after the next council elections, when the new incumbents are going to have to make decisions on the the survival of of of, of all of these facilities and and, and other services that, that local councils offer um but listen that's a bit of a a negative note to to end the podcast on but it's a really really important issue and i'm, I'm glad we spoke about it jay thank you very much for um for giving your own experience um as a resident of north lanarkshire and for for sharing um the thoughts of of, of those at, at holy town coach who you spoke who spoke to you 
and Alex um, last weekend. So let's let's cross our fingers, cross our toes that we never have to speak about this again. I don't think um, that's realistic. I think we probably will will have to. Um, but after hearing from the guys at Edelwood um, last weekend and having to speak about this again um, this week, it's really really important that we keep up this conversation. Encourage everyone to do whatever they can to to lobby and to make sure that that, that these community centres, which are really the the heart of, of a lot of community facility uh, uh, communities as a whole, sorry, remain. Okay, so let's let, let, let's let's finish it there. And probably going on a rant before we get too into this. But okay, Robbie, Anya, thank you very very much for taking the time to speak to us. To everyone that's listening, we hope you enjoyed. We'll see you again next week for episode twelve.